Hello. Woman, God damn it. hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Anarchy Monk Friends Roundtable Discussion. Before we get started, let me first remind you that we are covered by the BIPCOT No Government License, which allows for the use and reuse of this podcast by anyone and everyone except for governments and the bludgies thereof. You can learn more about that at BIPCOT.org. That is B-I-P-C-O-T dot O-R-G. We're also protected by Brandenburg v. Ohio, 1969, which ruled that the government cannot punish inflammatory speech unless that speech is directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action. So everything we say here on Anarchy Among Friends is entirely hypothetical. Ooh. Minecraft. It's all, it's all in Minecraft. It's all <laughs> Minecraft? Speculate. Yeah, <laughs> mind, mind crafting the Minecraft. Mind yes, craft. Yeah. Minecraft. That was that was that was the lamest thing I've said in our 100 episodes. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it, it might actually be, yeah. <laughs> but we got OG Dan here for episode 100. He started this bitch with us, with me and Jason, and several others who have pod faded over the years. But we got him back here for episode 100. So prepare to hear about the Zionists. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy if it's true. <laughs> All right. So we're not even, we're not it's doing only, our usual only conspiracy format. conspiracy if they're Russian mafia. Oh my god, it's the Russians! You know, whatever happened to that where the Russians were responsible for absolutely everything according to the left? That was starting to get really entertaining because it was so predictable that like every single time you're like, the Russians! Again! (laughs) They still bring it up. They're like saying like Russian bots are like, you know, doing all this nonsense and then Uh, it's like... The Russian Russian bots are going to get Trump re-elected? That's the that's yeah. The yeah. One. yeah that, okay. That, like, not only that, like, it's like every the time one I... spreading. Like, <laughs> like it, no, you, did you hear about this shit? That like I think it was like I don't know if it was somebody on Twitter or if it was the mayor of Chicago or somebody, but they had said that it was actually white supremacists in silicone suits that look like black people that were out there doing <laughs> the rioting. Was... <laughs> oh my yeah, god. That, 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 um, oh, it, was, it, was, it was it was one of the it was a senator or a, a member of the house one of the two but oh my yeah that God. was that was at the federal that was set at the federal level that's gold actually this unhinged or are they putting this on I really I have a hard I time believing people are that nuts I just yeah well I mean there was an American <laughs> congressman who thought that. An island could be Guam, capsized yeah, by too many fucking troops. Yeah, Guam would be capsized by too many troops being like, stationed there. Uh, uh, Georgia. Yeah. That yeah. guy. Yeah, and I love yeah. I love how dip- incredibly diplomatic that general is, where he just stares at him for a second, trying to take in what has just been said. Uh, well, uh, Senator, that is not an eventuality that we would have accounted for, um, or anticipated. Uh, well, there's, there was, there was the, the Senator just like two or three days ago that, um, demanded Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg explain why Donald Trump Jr.'s Twitter account was suspended. 
<sighs> yeah, and he's from Wait. Wisconsin. <laughs> Wait. Yes. Mark yes. Zuckerberg had Mark to Zuckerberg. explain he, the, why the a sen- Twitter the account. Senator, <laughs> the senator asked Mark Zuckerberg why Donald Trump Jr.'s Twitter account was suspended. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't run Twitter. No, he doesn't. <laughs> and this guy, this guy was, this guy is sitting on a a on, <laughs> on an investi- an investigatory panel. Yeah, it's Boomer like a. Here. Would uh, would remember to I mean to to, uh, to understand why somebody would ask that question. You have to remember that this guy has been a senator or a congressman from Wisconsin. Since 1979. 79, yeah. Yeah. So. Like, literally never been a part of this society that he's fucking trying to control and run. Yeah. He has no idea. The man never learned how to set the time on his VCR. He's certainly not going to be able to figure out Facebook v. Twitter. Right. (laughs) The very least. Not saying that I'm advocating for anything, but, you know, if you were going to go with this system, I would say there needs to be limits on Congress, like in terms of terms. Yeah. At the very, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that always seemed like kind of an oversight, like that they, I I don't know if they just anticipated that no one would want to do that for that long, you know? You got got to remember, since, since 1979, so that's like 40 years Right, the yes. life expectation in 1776 was what, like, 48, 50 years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they just well, assumed only, everybody would die. Yeah. <laughs> it was like their part-time job was to be a representative. You know, right. it wasn't like it's like their yeah, career. It was, right, it, it Congress was, it, wasn't in session all fucking year like it is now. Mm-hmm. They they're in session all year and they take breaks from being in session it used to be you would take a break from work to go to a session of congress and it was was a big deal right it was a big deal it was a a serious inconvenience Mm -hmm. to 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 pack up and go yep so yeah but now but now we got people that are complaining that one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars a year tax free is not enough to sustain a home how can i afford how can I afford to feed my family on a mere six-figure income? <laughs> well, look, I'm saying D.C. is an expensive fucking town. If you want to live in D.C., yeah, yeah 174 yeah. isn't that much money if you're living in the D.C. city limits. It is when I'm paying for it. Yes, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> well, <Amen>. like <laughs> But I mean, they're the ones who made the city so fucking expensive. Yeah, I was going to say, the but they're the all cities so fucking expensive. If she's going to complain about not making enough money, she can start an OnlyFans. Just yeah, that's right. But now <laughs> her 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 old biddies will get a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, there's a Cortez lot of Cortez could make a lot of money with an OnlyFans, where it's just like, you know, once an hour somebody slaps her in the face on camera. Like I would watch the shit out of that. I, I'd pay thirty bucks a month just for that subscription. <laughs> yeah. Like just yes, hit her again. Ah. Yeah. Or because it's like as soon as she opens her fucking mouth, it's like, good God. Like how you want to some... stuff a cock Maybe in it just... to shut her up? No, yeah. no, no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I do, but I got <laughs> I got a selection of ball gags, right? <laughs> 
Okay. And now we're getting canceled. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. thanks cancel culture. Bastard. Yeah. No. The fact that cancel culture is eating itself now is so great. Mm. Did you did you see the the, the thing out of the thing out of Portland, the uh, the wall of moms, the mm. uh, Black Lives Matter and and Antifa and whatnot? They were complaining that the that the wall of moms had too much whiteness. <laughs> of course, because I mean, all that's... through history, the most successful political change campaigns have hinged on offending and fucking dismissing your allies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, we that always works that. out well. See, this, this, this is thing, though, because it's like, <laughs> it, in, in actuality, it's like, they're not allies. They are allies in name only, because once they've served their purpose, then they're no longer allies. You know? Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're fodder. They're fodder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean the the what was it the um I think the Smithsonian African Heritage Museum or something was like put out some things saying that there were things that needed to be eradicated that were deeply ingrained in Western civilization that were like the nuclear family and all uh-huh. these things that originate from whiteness, but it's like basically what the the, the common customs that have the held things society. that are basically responsible for building Western society. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The and the Western say, the Western oh, society that they are currently using benefiting from yeah benefiting and, you know from. and the the irony and is I think like, that Eastern society has nuclear families too yeah, I'm well, just kind of spitballing the here. irony is if you look at if you look at African country um in particular uh, like Ethiopia is it's still like one of my favorite African countries just because its history is so cool and badass but <laughs> they. Well, uh, culture of Christianity there too, like like the well, Coptic yeah. Christians. Yep, it was well. It's uh, it's Eastern Orthodoxism, ortho orthodoxism, orthodoxy. Yeah, or, sure, or, yeah. sure, yeah. <laughs> it's that. Um, but they were closely aligned, obviously, with the with the Russian Orthodox Church for a while, and so they got a lot of help from Russia and everything. But I mean, they like have a, had a modern military and everything else, and they like their um, their one emperor and empress who really helped to modernize the country. And if you go to Ethiopia, if you ever get the chance, one, I would actually encourage people to do it because it's really cool country. But two, it's super modern in terms of like everything. Like it's all really modern roads for the most part, especially in the cities. And like, it's, it's really modernized. And those people, part of the way they were able to encourage that was they really encouraged nuclear families and they encouraged you know this idea that you know hey everybody you know mother and father really got to work together the way the emperor and empress do and which is also kind of unique i mean in royal families because (coughs) a lot of the times you know the empress if she wasn't the one who actually inherited the throne she didn't do anything you know she wasn't actually uh, but they were encouraging like the balance the the sacred masculine and feminine working together to build like a future on right well yeah and he like they were really cool because he was kind of a a little bit of like he didn't really like conflict a lot he didn't like to argue with people and things but he wanted what was best for his for his people 
And she had no problem just being a complete argumentative bitch. So whenever he needed to, like, say no to a country, she was the one that would go to the meetings because <laughs> she'd say no. And then he could be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. The wife says no. I don't know what you want me to do about it. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then That's he a lot like him. my marriage, actually. <laughs> the secret weapon. Yeah. <laughs> She actually had like her own. Only sometimes uh, it's Kevin. Sometimes I'm like, I can't with these fucking people anymore. And I hit like the asshole switch on Kevin and he'll go like scorched earth and, you know. So. Well, yeah, because once you got the wife and you fucking kicking the ass, you're like, oh, uh, shit needs yeah. to be taken care of. Because <laughs> he understands that if, if I'm the one who has to be the bad guy here, things yeah. have gone terribly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that like you know, women have power in a different way because they kind of like they do it on like a slick, sly level where they're working from behind the scenes and kind of. I mean, like they they will be in the forefront at times, but there's also times where they're influencing the men to do shit. You know We're kind of I mean? like influence peddlers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I would say that, like you know, I've said well, this. Well, women for... have had to become that though, because you know, through history, we're not as physically strong and aggressive as men can be, so we have to exert influence in other ways. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Darwinism. Yeah. That's, that's what it comes down to. But so the the moral of the story here is if you're dealing with me over a problem, solve it with me. Don't make me go get my fucking husband. <laughs> <laughs> because if I have to bother him with it, it's not going to go well for you. <laughs> What's that, Dan? Because then he's bothered by, you know, the fact that he had to be bothered about it. Exactly. And then he goes and Whoever What's that? An, exactly. an, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth only works until Kevin gets involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and it's the, all the, your fucking teeth. <laughs> yeah. Use my grass. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay always has to do that whenever I start arguing with somebody. She always, like in stores or anything else, she always has to step in and go, Nope, I think it's time for me to take over because. Uh-huh. You're about to get angry, and I know what happens when you do. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyone's lives. Or Kevin anything. will get like in this towering fucking rage, and I'm like, mm, it's time for you to step back because you're gonna do something or say something that all of us are gonna fucking regret. So you go fucking somewhere else and cool off, and I'll handle the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. To uh. To, to, to piggyback on this and to move the conversation forward, uh, I I recorded with uh, Nick Irwin earlier, uh, Enemy of the Dank Enemy of the State Enemy Dank of the State. Enemy yeah. of the State Dank Podstash. And one of the things that we did talk about was um, people today, and especially among anarchists and, and the infighting among anarchists and the short tempers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in spirit with our 100th episode, we want to talk about voluntarism and, and anarchy and solutions. Right. right. And how, how much do, better voluntary yes. interaction is. Yes. yes. How do how do we deal with this as voluntarists, as anarchists, without getting like the state involved in all that other stuff? Let the women do the talking. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? I've seen just as much venom and vitriol out more for women. I'm selling I'm selling tickets and lemonade to that show. 
<laughs> Dan, get the hose. Well, you know, that's that's <laughs> actually the, the solution that they have, at least partially, in Rojava. The the free state of Rojava, where it's it's largely it's kind of an anarcho-syndicalist kind of thing, but because their their decision making, according to some documentaries that I've watched about it, was that historically it had constantly been the only the men who had made all of the decisions. The women were were property, and that what that had proven in the history of that region was that it led to warfare and conflict and economic ruin, and it was not a good idea. So now, as part of Rojavan society, the women are the primary decision makers for the society. Like, they're the ones who get together and talk it out and discuss things. And if they want men's opinions, they ask the men. But otherwise, the men are expected to stay out of it and let them be the ones because they've deci- they decided that the men just were too aggressive. They were too inclined to feel like, they, oh, this insult threatens my masculinity, so we're going to go to war and... Like, whereas the women would just be like, well, I'm just going to talk about you behind your back. How about that? Yeah. So. Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. oh, you have that low opinion of me? Well, I think that maybe you just don't understand this. And we need to sit down and talk about this and and clear the air and get everything out on the table. Like, and women will fucking talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and talk until you fucking exceed their wishes. <laughs> <laughs> until you get so disgusted by all of the word vomit that you're just like, you know what? I don't even care anymore. Fine. Whatever you want. I don't even care. How's that working out for them, though, with the women making all the decisions? I mean, it seems to be working fairly well. I mean, it's weird to call it, because you can call it anarcho-syndicalist, but it's not, like, nobody's forced to contribute at all. Right to the and collective. I, I'm Look. not even sure it should be like all women, just like like moms or like grandmas, you know, have experience with fucking fighting kids and know how to defuse situations well, and shit like that. Well, I mean, to 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 put this into a, like an anarchist perspective is is we have we have a lot of big egos. Yeah, and, and the anarchist and libertarian movements, yeah, um, and and a lot of people that that come to anarchism and libertarianism, they come from a point, um, of narcissism. Yeah, right. They're, mm. they're, they're narcissists that, that that came for the the faux moral superiority that mm-hmm. that comes with being you know, uh, or, saying or having, the right having moral moral standpoints yeah. and all this good stuff. Right. Um, and they also come to feed on the empathetic people that come here. Come, come to come to the anarchist movement. So, um, being able to being able to talk to anarchists or about certain things, like you you're not only fighting their words, but you're fighting their ego. And you, you have to you you we I, I collect. I am using the collective we and meaning it. <laughs> like we, you're have not to, a real anarchist. Like we have we have to learn to put our you know our egos aside. And have actual conversations with people. Well, I think you could say that about every single human being on the planet, though. So yeah. I don't think it's like super collective when well, it's yeah, such an yeah. integral part of the, the human experience. Say, yeah, but, I mean that's you well, know the, the, the egos are inherent to anarchism because you the whole reason you come to anarchy is because you want to be able to do what you want. Yeah, like free well, from interference. So it's naturally a slightly egotistical thing to even start down that road. Yeah, well, and and, and individualism. If, can like people can get kind of high on individualism at first and that can really inflate a fucking ego if you think you stand alone 
above or apart from all the others. And yeah, <coughs> yeah. Well, within any moment, you're going to have purity spiraling where somebody's going to be like, "Oh, I'm more anarchist than you. I'm more right wing than you. I'm more left wing than you." You know what I mean? It's like it's this, you know, this fucking. And I'm not going to pretend I didn't do a little bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, and I've, I, I can honestly say that I never gave a fuck enough to be like, I'm more anarchist than you. I actually cha- challenged other anarchists on their own ideas to get them to think and internalize. Me, it was know, just the, the are... capitalist versus commie thing. <laughs> but like, just the fact that, um, just like certain utopian ideals that anarchists have that are very idealistic and not based in reality. And what I mean by that is understanding of human nature, how people operate, how people operate within mutually formed collectives, which is going to be an inevitability anyway, as an end result of people being free, because people are going to want to network and create a sense of like safety for them and their families, along with other people, Mm -hmm. mutual defense and mutual aid, because that's just human nature, regardless, you can't. Like communism has tried to eradicate human nature. That's why it never works. Because right. it's in absolute opposition to natural order. Yep. And it tries to break down the natural order, which makes things work because it thinks that it knows a better way. So what I think that anarchists need to focus on is what is human nature? How can we enhance that? How can we direct that in the proper way for people to free themselves from the system that they've allowed themselves to be enslaved by? Right. And, and how how can we build our our networks around human nature to work in harmony with it instead of fighting it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that's where a lot of and I'm not like here to criticize people. It's just that it's constructive criticism, if anything, because you have to work with the way nature operates in order yes. to make things fun. <laughs> you know, and, and you want if you want to bring people on board to what you're trying to, you know, ultimately in the end sell them on the idea of freedom you know what i mean as opposed to voluntary slavery or involuntary slavery whichever way you want to look at it but people kind of take a willing participation in their own slavery in a sense yeah um i mean the ones that are awake obviously are saying wait no i am enslaved i don't want this to be my life and i don't want this to be the life of my children but at the same time, it's like, you know, you come you either come to the realization or you real or you just go along with it because it's easier to do so. Um, and what I think is that we're seeing the breakdown of civilization right now because it's being engineered that way. And I think that if it comes down to that, that if we can't push back that tide that once it does break down, people are going to have to become self-sufficient and they're going Mm -hmm. to have to net and collectivize to defend their own communities from the people that want to see them, you know, ultimately done in. And they're already doing that because like, like the, uh, was it Portland or Seattle? Seattle mayor was like, sorry, business owners, you're on your own. I can't send my cops out there Uh, to protect your property. The police chief said that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the police, the police chief said, sorry, you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, Minneapolis police, they just put out an email telling, um, telling people that are being robbed to just go <laughs> along with it. Yeah. Just, just, they, they just acquiesce they to their demands and just go the, along the with police, whatever they, the police in Minneapolis, the, the email literally said, 
just give up your wallet and cell phone and vehicle. Yep. Just go along. Yep. They're not even pretending to fucking help people anymore in some of these places. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. It's like these people are portraying themselves as anarchists. The ones Mm -hmm. that are are and burning and killing people. Yeah, and they are not anarchists. This is what I would do the point that I wanted to make earlier, but I lost my train of thought. If you want to bring people on board, you need to build something, a new model that people can get on board not necessarily government but it's like and it you know, has to be to... more attractive than the old model and exactly. treating people the way that like antifa is treating people that is not winning any hearts yeah or any um, minds board with with destruction they want to yeah. you know build something so they can get out of the outdated model that they're living with it. yeah as 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 ben stone says in sedition subversion sabotage he says that uh um, the government, the government, the current state, the model that we have now is is the familiar brand, right? It's Kraft, it's Pepsi, it's Ford, it's it's what's it's what's mom, it's what mom and grandma used, it's Tide, it's it's what dad fought for and the uncle, my uncle died for and all this other stuff. So so it's all that they know, right? Mm-hmm. And and until people have alternatives to that, or until people are are at least willing to try alternatives to that, it's going to exist. Right, no matter oh, yeah. no matter how much destruction or, or whatever happens, it's going to exist. And, yeah, and overcoming societal inertia is very difficult. Yeah, yeah, and if the new brand is destroying people's shit and their livelihoods, people yeah, aren't going to switch to the new fucking brand. I and, mean, and, and on top of that, that's not even really a new brand. It's it's reforming, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's just another another brand of uh, it's another brand of the same thing, right? It's like new yeah. Pepsi, new Pepsi versus old Pepsi, or it's it's new coke right they just threw cocaine back into it or whatever right but it's just it's it's the I same mean, thing that. it's just different exactly yep. Yep. yeah it's, it. <laughs> it's the ultimate energy drink right there they need to put thc in more products and then people will chill out yeah <laughs> everybody just stoned yeah. all the time it's like man there hasn't been war for a while well yeah because everyone's kind of like ah just go with what you feel bro tell you like instead of <laughs> instead of instead of dropping them cs grenade gas grenades right uh-huh. throw out some blunts yeah. right we got, they got those on they got those indestructible set a fucking brick out. on fire there you go toss it out the fucking helicopter <laughs> That was yeah. my argument when I got they, apprehended people, one time. People are taking off their helmets you know, and doing hey. drum circles. <laughs> yeah. <Good> time. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you know, I was like, I've never seen somebody go home, smoke a joint, and beat their wife. I was yeah. like, but I was like, I have, I have seen somebody go home and have a drink and then beat their wife. I was like, yeah. well, which one's leaving? They're like, we're not going to have that discussion. <laughs> uh. Like, okay, yeah, it's because you won't win that discussion. That's why we're not here to have it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking dick. Yeah. So, but, yeah, drop drop bongs, not bombs. Yep, bongs, <laughs> not bombs. Don't I think we've said bong. that before. I mean, they're fragile. That's, yeah. No, they have, the, they have these cool platforms. <coughs> and, like, the, like, there's videos of them, of people literally swinging them at, like, bricks and concrete and stuff. And they just, huh. they just bounce. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Nice. This is kind of like well, there's that type of ceramic. Like the whole human human nature, like you know, it's we engage in war with different tribes unless we're capable of trading with them. 
Yeah. Because peace usually comes through commerce because it's a mutually beneficial thing. Mm-hmm. You, and you yeah, can and war someone, usually happens because somebody wants what's on the other side of the imaginary line. Yeah. 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 It's usually all over resources. Yeah. So if you can make it into a, and not saying that, you know, I'm some kind of like, you know, consumerist, like, oh, everything's economy. It's not like that. It's just an aspect of human interaction. Well, and but even even these like both, even these like ideological of, battles in this this super polarized society, even the ideological battles are over fucking resources. Because that's all government yeah. really does is fucking steal and reallocate resources. So whoever wants to control the government with their ideology, they are after those resources and control of them i'd argue that all all wars have been over resources because even if it's over ideological differences that's still over the resources of the people to believe that ideology and support it with their resources yeah so it's still about resources yeah exactly that's what i was saying yeah so (laughs) So, there's a better way we promise there's a better way (laughs) on the left they're very vocal about what their what their end goal is, and it's equity. It's it's redistribution of wealth down to the lowest common denominator. Yep. It's like you know what I mean. It's not about like who who is the best equipped for anything. It's about oh, it doesn't matter. We're going to destroy the ability or the wanting to excel or the wanting to perform at a higher level to make more. Yeah. We want everybody to make the same. Cost. Board, which yeah, incentivizes disincentivizes like, you know uh, you know the drive to want to compete and do better and prosper and things like right. that and it takes away the ladder for you know economic ascension i know it's like they have this idea in their head of like a bare minimum standard of living that you're fucking entitled to at the cost of everyone around you just for fucking breathing oxygen every day and it's bullshit. <laughs> well, most of those people are under the impression that somehow in their communist utopia that they'll all be artists and sculptors and they'll be able to cast bronzes and everything else. And it's like, are you unaware of what happens to the artists and sculptors and everything when communists take over? I mean, yeah. it's been proven yeah. again and again and again, and you don't survive to the <laughs> end of that, man. No. <laughs> No, well, no, because that's your like, profession doesn't add anything to the economy yeah, in a significant way. That's what I was going to get to is like, you, like if you if you have, you know, everybody wants to be an artist or, or, you know, a sculptor or a poet or a painter or whatever, but then yeah, free to pursue a passion. Yeah. But then yeah. who wants to be the farmer? Like who, who, what, where's the, where's the, um, incentive, the incentive. Yeah. Where's, where's the incentive to work hard? Right. Yeah. And not yeah. not that not that artists don't work hard, right? right? But but they have they have a, a subjective value, right? People are yeah. people well, are only right. only going to value that to to the extent right. that they. That's why that's why and, they want communism because they subscribe to the labor theory of value. No matter how exactly. many times it's been disproven over a century and a half, <laughs> no matter how many times they still subscribe to this idea that because it took me a bunch of work to make this thing, you know, this macaroni sculpture of Elche's head, somehow that's <laughs> therefore valuable. <laughs> Yeah. 
It doesn't work like that. <laughs> Not how that works at all. If you, because the only way to make someone else value it the same way that you do is by force, by a government entity coming in and forcing someone to buy it at the price that you have set for it or to steal from others and pay you for doing that. So literally the only way for the labor theory of value to work, even in a single transaction is with violence. Well, I mean, even, you know, and even when, uh, and I addressed that on, on the, uh, with Matt on that episode of, of status quo, where I point out that when Mussolini's troops first started taking over areas, uh, when they took over that um, city that I the name escapes me that they lost at the end of World War One that they had to give up to, I think Czechoslovakia, when Mussolini's troops took that over, immediately a bunch of poets and things were like, oh, he's ushering in a new paradise for artists, and that was what they wrote about in the New York Times about Mussolini's. Oh, it's about <laughs> the artists now. Even there, when you have this totalitarian government that's their hope is that now it's going to be great for artists (laughs) (laughs) and as we all know the fascist states have such a great history of art (laughs) well i mean the way go ahead jason i was gonna say we 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 can dig into that just a little bit if you want and talk about how um art art and music and literature right they're part. They're they're largely what of, of what helps uh, perpetuate a culture, uh-huh. right? I'm not talking Absolutely. like I'm not talking ethnostate culture. I'm talking like like societal culture, so, societal like general. Culture. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so you almost like in in a fascist sort of system, you almost have to get rid of the artists and the poets and the painters, um, in order because to you're keep trying it, to change the yeah. culture. Yeah. yeah. But it, not only that, but it, it it keeps everyone on the same plane. Right when yeah. when you have when you have that sort of thing and you have people being creative and expanding and growing, right? You have other people see that and be like, "Oh, hey, we're you know growing." And then you have start people talking about freedom, the freedom to do this, freedom to do that. Well, uh, you've you're trying, you're already talking against the existing culture right. at that yep. point. Well, yeah. I will argue within a fascist system, they usually promote people that back the. Established culture that's of the fascist. Propaganda, that's propaganda. Yeah, I would right. That. Propaganda is not, yeah. What I'm saying is usually they try to nullify the subversive voices, which are unfortunately usually of the tribe, but mm-hmm. they usually promote the people within that society or that are of the same ethnic group that promote the same values and culture that they want to see flower and blossom not saying that i support it but that's usually their ideal and within the communist regime it's usually very propagandist it's very destructive or it's very um uh, like exalting of the state like within soviet russia like they well have, there's like, no all, creativity like a lot of the, to yeah. it because because the yeah. artists that are that are doing that work there's no creativity so, they're told they're yeah, they're told exactly what it, what to create. Well, yeah, look at the Russian the, the brutalism that they had for their architecture, where it's just like this concrete geometric thing that is just there, and bland, it's just bland, bland. Yeah, it's fuck. super bland and un because well, but it oh, it just needs to for you know uh, have a function. It doesn't need to be pretty, is the idea. So well, let's just minimize the resources on it, and we'll do that. But like, I mean, like. 
Dan, to your point, you know, like you see that in in um, in National Socialism with uh, the Nazis, where they had uh, Lenny Riefenstahl. I mean, it, it, she was like a major tool for Goebbels to run and with and and have her make the movie, you know, Triumph of the Will that promotes this big idea of the the ideals of the Nazi party. And it's just blatant propagandism. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> and it's and no, they, I wouldn't argue it. that one. What's that, Dan? No, I said I wouldn't argue that point at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, what we're saying is, Antipa, you're going to be some of the first to go. Yeah. If you actually get what you want. I admire your enthusiasm. Because yeah, you'll be the first to die. you're not productive. <laughs> so, the unproductive always go. The people who are drained well, on the uh, system. All you got to do is watch... Yuri Bezmenov uh, interview with um, what's his name there, G. Edward Griff, where he talks about how you know they're used up until the point where they're no longer useful anymore, and then they're executed. Because they yeah. cannot be trusted because they were able to turn on the system that they were originally living on. So it's like, right. you know, because the fact that they were able to revolt doesn't mean that they won't revolt against the system that's put in as a result of them revolting. Right. Just the fact yeah. that they've already once thought in a pattern Bond. that was counter to the prevailing system. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah look sorry, at, uh, Dan. You cut out sometimes, so I don't hear you. Like, sorry, yeah, yeah. I don't oh, mean sorry. to talk over you, but yeah, I'm not trying okay. to be rude. <laughs> Your mic just cuts out sometimes. So. <laughs> Is he still there? Is he fixing yeah, something? I guess he's fixing. Yeah. All right. Um, is that better? Yeah, that's better. Yeah. I think Should it was be. because I was on my Wi-Fi. My bad. Oh. No. Was that, you know, as a result of, like, knowing that these people will revolt against the the, the status quo doesn't mean that they won't revo- revolt against the new inner party once it's established. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. once they realize that they're not the ones getting power, and they were able to be used as a pawn to get others in power. It doesn't mean that they won't revolt against them as well. So it's like they need to be taken out oh, yeah. because they're, right. they're yeah. alive. Not, not only that, but the, the, the people that lead these things, right? The, the, the true believers and, and the money behind, this, behind these things, they'll promise whatever they need to promise. Yeah. Right? To, to, in, in order to get their foot soldiers and, and to get... Um, the support that they need to do whatever they're trying to do, and then once that's once they accomplish that, then you have all these people going, "Hey, where's my money?" Yeah, um, yeah, because <laughs> because uh, dictators don't want leaders in their ranks; they only want followers in their ranks. Mm-hmm. So, well, you see that in in Cuba immediately after you know Castro and and the communists take power, chase out because he's a risk. You see that with Stalin when, you know, with his purges where he's got power and now everyone else from the old guard, they're a risk. So he purges them. You see it again and again and again where these totalitarians take power and go, shit, these guys are are possible rivals and I don't want these rivals. So let's just go ahead and kill them all and problem solved. (laughs) Yep. So, all right, let's 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 flip this. Yeah, I've only got a couple minutes left, and then I gotta go. Yeah, let's let's flip this into the positive light. And yes, 
I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go with that. So Jerrica, make a decision. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a better way to achieve similar results to what you want. Like you want people to be taken care of, right? You want people to not have to struggle their whole lives and things like that, right? You want life to be gentler for most people. So, but the way that you're trying to go about that, Kami, is, is the exact opposite of how you should be going about it. Because the way you're trying to go about it is fucking violent. We're here to tell you there's a better fucking way. Okay? And all you have to do is fucking respect every person's right to make their own fucking decisions about everything in every fucking way. That's all it takes. Is, is absolute autonomy of the individual. All interactions need to be voluntary, and that's it. Never fucking coerce somebody, and if we can have a society that looks like that, you will have what you want. Because people voluntarily want to help others when they're not being forced, when they're not already being robbed of half of their fucking income, and when they're not under this crushing state boot that makes it so hard to support a family, people help more. People want to fucking help more. The anarchist community is full of people like that, even though there's a lot of big egos tangled up in there. There's also a lot of really wonderful people who just want to build something meaningful and help other people and build a network um, for like mutual aid and things like that. And like, I'm, I'm about to drive all the way across the fucking country <laughs> with all four of my kids <laughs> Every night on this five-day trip, we are staying with friends all the way across the country. People, most of them, I've never met before. Um, but they are friends who love liberty the same way that I do. And we have a deep mutual respect for each other because we share similar values and a very principled position on this. And we call, you know, we call these people and fam, the people who are willing to give you a room for the night if you're passing through. The people who believe in helping other people voluntarily and that we don't need the coercion of the state to make life better for everyone around us. Um, and I had so many volunteers for that. I just put up a post on Facebook. I was like, hey, anybody you know, want to give us you know, some yard space for our tent or some floor space for our sleeping bags? I'd love to meet you. If not, that's cool. We can stay in motels, no big deal. And I had so many offers. Because anarchists typically are helpers. They, they want to help people. Um, and that just comes from our belief that help should always be voluntary. It should never be coerced. So we have to live that principle and be who we want to influence other people to be. And that's my positive direction on that. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. I'm having good experiences with it. <laughs> Oh. I'll get off my soapbox now. How's that? <laughs> Three simple things. Grow families, grow gardens, grow mm -hmm. East people. Yep. Yeah, and um, um, to piggyback on that, there's a, um, a quote from Ben Stone. Uh, he actually made a Twitter post um, that showed up in my Facebook memories today, and he said that uh, if you compromise your principle to achieve your goal, you never had a principle. Yep. Oh. Yep. I've said similar things many times. I never know he knew he said that, but it doesn't surprise me that he did. Of course. <laughs> well, that's, because that's unfortunately an so, argument. Yeah. 
that that you know we we have a lot of times with i mean within the anarchist community and with with libertarians in particular where they're like mm-hmm. well but don't you want no but you're compromising everything that you say you stand for yeah to try and reach this goal allegedly and it's just you that means you're never you don't have that goal clearly that isn't what your goal is because if it yeah. was you wouldn't be willing to compromise yep yep it's not yeah it's not a principle if you're willing to compromise it it's just not a principle is something well, that you like you you could never respect yourself again if you violated in was my that? opinion yeah what was that dan joking i was like but 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 it's a rare instance <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i i just literally cannot bring myself to violate my principles in my day-to-day interactions with other human beings i just can't i don't give a shit if it's a good cause i don't care i i can't do it and i have to tell people all the time i'm just not comfortable doing with doing that it it doesn't it doesn't feel right to me i can't reach this goal by doing this thing because this thing violates Mm -hmm. what i stand for and i can't do it sorry this is what i would say is that um when it comes down to it it's really fucking simple um people have gotten so far away from I guess you would say traditional values and the way that they live their life, that it's so complex and intertwined and reliant on the system that there is no way for them to know another way because they don't live it. You know what I mean? Like if you become self-sufficient, you grow your own garden, right? Mm -hmm. You rely on your family. You teach your children to be good people. You give them a moral compass to live by. You essentially have an immediate network within that, right? And then when you network with other families with similar values, that's voluntary association, right? Mm-hmm. Voluntarily, I'm not going to associate with people that don't share the same values with me. It's, it doesn't mean that I don't mm-hmm. dislike them. It's just right. that, that I don't align with you. So I'm not going to rely gonna... on them is the thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So... Yeah. When you get things down to bare bones, simple facts of the way that people live, the way that humans are, all these things, if you if you bring it back to home and make things straightforward and simple for people, it would negate a ton of the fucking social engineering and mental manipulation that we're under. Yeah, it would get out of and it would disempower the elite that are trying to force this on us you know what i mean it's like you just pull out of it and say fuck y'all you know what i mean you can fucking we'll bleed you of your money we won't shop with you anymore we won't do any of these things to you know feed the beast essentially and we make it more local we make it more you know community based and that powers your community you keep your community clean you keep your community safe you do all these Mm -hmm. things you live the way that you want others to live and lead as an example and you're not forced to associate with people who do not share your values and don't even share your geographical location exactly yeah yeah that's we 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 talked about that a little i talked a little bit a little bit with nick earlier about that one and and like 
Um, the United States, right? 330 million people and growing every single day. Yeah. Right. Hey, like, I, I got to take off, guys, though. In regions, you know, so it's like it's not yeah. not going to see eye to eye within a huge landmass like yeah. that. Yeah. So. All right, sister. All right. Love you guys. Love you. Episode 100. What? what? <laughs> see you guys later. <laughs> so, um, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Like 330 million people and growing like. Like the the culture in the Pacific Northwest where you are, Dan, is different than the culture here in the Bay Area where I am, which is different than the culture in Wisconsin where Andrew is, right? Yep. And it's it's different than the culture in Alabama or Virginia where where Derica is. Yep. Um, so you you can't you can't have one system that yeah. fits all these all these cultures, right? And and we can even go further than that and say the 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 culture in the Pacific Northwest, right? The culture where you are. That rural farming area is different than the than the culture in Seattle or Tacoma or or Bellevue or or Absolutely. north of that or west of that or east of that into the mountains. The mountain culture or eastern Washington, eastern Washington, western Washington, entirely different worlds. Oh yeah, but they're still under one governance. You can't. That, it, it doesn't make sense. A one size fits all overarching system that you know tries to fit everybody in this you know mm-hmm. shoebox where it's like <laughs> okay you're all going to live under these same you know rules so to speak but i think that if it was brought more local that people could establish their own customs and the way that they live their lives and be more mm-hmm. in line with each other and yes it would be balkanized but I think that when you have something that's so large and you try and govern that, it's damn near impossible. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't piece everybody. Well no. yeah, and I mean it look at look at the conflict that's that was caused in Iraq when after Britain and France mm-hmm. after World War One decided to artificially create it out of three chunks of the former Ottoman Empire that had previously had nothing to do with each other, had no shared uh, no shared culture, no shared values. They barely even shared a language. They're yeah. completely different. And then you try to shoehorn them together and look what happens. That you can't, can't it, it doesn't work. You can't just go, oh no, we're going to rule everybody exactly the same because, well, but the people in, you know, the people in Baza are not the same as the people in Mosul. They're not the same. Yeah. Just like in the U.S., what, what's currently the U.S., where like around me, it's so agrarian. It's very rural. There's, it, it's a bunch of farming community, you know, small, tight knit farming communities where farming is very important. Hunting is important. Fishing is important. If you had people in California, in Los Angeles, try and run things here, it doesn't oh, work. Yeah. <laughs> they have does, no idea because they, they, don't, they don't understand the culture of the area. Right, they don't. They don't understand that it's it's a different world. It's 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 a different world. Like here in the Bay Area, right, the eleven Bay Area counties act as their own little faux state. Once you cross the river into into a different county, it's rural. It's a different. It's a different world. But we're still well, under California. this. What's that? Cali is massive too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like what six hundred miles north to south, or seven hundred miles north to south. Well, it's the what, like the eighth largest economy in the world, something like that, or something like that. Yeah, it just undo <laughs> itself. <laughs> absolutely massive, and you know, and you could make giant chunks of land like that work two hundred years ago. 
because there was like 10 people. So, and they all lived <laughs> in one place. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're okay. So like we have, we have like radical vegans in the, in the Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco Bay area. Northern California still has fur trappers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I mean, well, we still yeah, have around here. Like 200 years ago, you didn't have people that were career politicians writing legislation every single day or having legislation fed to them by lawyers every single day. Well, to, yeah. You know, pass law or do this, that, the other thing. It was like, it was just basic shit to look mm -hmm. after people's. Because sure 200 years ago, if you were a politician, you pissed off people, you were challenged yeah. to a duel. Yeah, absolutely. Could be. <laughs> you could be well look at you look at um when Lincoln was pushing uh for the passage of the sixteenth amendment, right? When he was the or thirteenth sorry, thirteenth amendment. Um when he was trying to, you know, trying to turn the Emancipation Proclamation, which is not technically legal, but eh, anyway, when he was trying to push for that and he was trying to convince a bunch of these senators from southern states <laughs> to vote for it, like a lot of them are like, my constituents will quite literally hang me if yeah, right. I go <laughs> along with this. Absolutely not. Because they had a legitimate fear that people were actually going to kill them if they didn't do what the constituents wanted. You see that, too, with um, uh, David Crockett when he got elected to Senate, which, first of all, he hated the idea. He was like, oh, really? Come on, people. Seriously? <laughs> me? <laughs> and got stuck going. And then when he gets voted out, his response is, you can all go to hell. I'm going to go to Texas. I'm going to Texas, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what, like, that was the one great thing about those guys back in the day, that they were like actually reluctant to even do the job. They were like, uh... Well, yeah, and that's, that's the thing, is you do not want people in any kind of power who want to be in power, because they're after that, which means... All they're after is power. It's the ones that don't want it that you are like, ah, well, you might do okay. Because you don't really want to be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we to, to to bring this back to anarchism again, like like there was a there was a culture of independence then. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there there were there were some reformers in government, right? I mean, there's some in Philadelphia and, and New York, there were some reformers, but there was largely a a, a, a people wanted to be largely left alone, mm -hmm. right? They wanted to do their own thing. They just wanted to be protected, um, and that was it, right? And now we have people calling the cops on other people not wearing masks in a store. Yeah, so badly that here in Wisconsin, because <sighs> we have a mask mandate now, we finally actually got one, which is... Makes me so glad that I got my mask that says this mask is as useless as our governor before that happened. Uh, <laughs> here you go. Here. My, my, my mask, my mask is literally see-through. Nice. But it's, le <laughs> but it's legal, and it, it works. Apparently it works. Like a Halloween mask. <laughs> I saw somebody wearing a wearing a sheep head in a store the other day, like one of those big, like at Walmart, those sheep heads over their head. Perfect. And they're like... <laughs> They're like, this just seems more appropriate. So, <laughs> yeah. And can we can we laugh about the 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 irony for a second of people wearing the Guy Fox masks? Oh yeah. Oh man. Uh, I. <laughs> I'm gonna go fly. 
overthrow the government and install a Catholic theocracy. Oh, well, I, I actually saw online being advertised a uh, a face mask with the Gadsden flag on it. Just, just marinate on that for a minute. <laughs> like, not, not naming names. Not naming names, but there's a, a, a relatively well-known female libertarian who who has a store and she advertises them with like anarchy symbols and Gaston flags uh-huh. and don't tread on me. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I was like I saw that and I'm like, I do, do you not see the irony in this at all? Like not even a little bit, no? Don't tread on me while I wear a fucking muzzle face diaper. Yeah. Oh man, my my work gave me uh they my my boss brought me a couple of of white cotton masks um prior to the the requirement for it. Yep. And I put it on and it totally looks like a pair of underwear on my face. Yeah. It absolutely <laughs> looks like I have tidy whities stretched across At my face. Point I'm convinced it's a humiliation ritual. Uh it really is. I mean, on the upside it does defeat uh facial recognition. Alleged, so. allegedly, we can go tenfold hat on that. Just because there was a quote, a leaked memo that said that DHS was having issues with their facial recognition because well, of the masks. Knowing, knowing what I know about how facial recognition works, if you get a mask that has a face on it, like a, a mouth, something that would indicate a mouth, and it's in a different position than where your actual mouth is, it will screw up facial recognition algorithms. Oh, I'm sure because it like it looks at like points on your face and biometrics and all that stuff like you know how far the eyes are apart and all that shit it does like all those measurements. Yep. So if the colors are right for it to actually be a mouth there, but it's not in the same position, it screws it up and it thinks that you're someone else. So it can't track you. That's <laughs> I actually saw on Amazon they're they're selling masks that you can get a the lower half of a face, like an actual picture printed. Yeah, like, on. like an actual yeah, like the lower half of your own <laughs> face printed on just I'd want the lower half of someone else's face, because go ahead, run that facial recognition, see what happens. It'll work out well. <laughs> Why is Tom Cruise here? What's going on? <laughs> to be Tom Cruise. <laughs> Isn't he shorter than that? He seems awful tall. <laughs> Bow before tiny Tom Cruise. <laughs> Help I me, Tom Cruise is on like fire. Two Joe Rogans tall. <laughs> Did you see the thing about him, uh, Rogan leaving California to avoid the taxes? Yeah, yeah, because they're tired of the high taxes. Him and Elon no, no, Musk. No, California, just the California House. I know California Senate recently passed a bill to increase the higher end um, ah. of its of its millionaire ah. tax to like fifty four percent. Oh man! Oh my God! Fifty four percent. Like I, I saw that and I posted on Facebook the other day. I posted, I think I posted on Wolf, and I was like, "Hey Texas, say hi to your new neighbors." Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? Like, yeah, I mean, sweating his tinfoil hat off right now. I, dude, San Diego has some nice weather. It ain't that nice. <laughs> if I'm that rich, I'm going by. Yeah, See you later. Yeah. I'm moving to North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, North Dakota, North and South Dakota are the place to be if you're a millionaire, because not only do they not do the whole income tax thing, but they don't have a legacy law. If you're unfamiliar with the legacy law, what it means is that if it's a an original amount of money, it can only be a direct inheritance up to X amount of times. Mm-hmm. And then the taxes explode exponentially. And the idea was, surprise, surprise, put forward during, oh, look at that, FDR. Who knew? Who and knew? <laughs> whoever could have guessed that that county was the one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who tried to destroy because he didn't want people to be able to just set up dynasties. It's it's also called the dynasty law. Wait, wait. Um, FDR didn't want people to set up dynasties. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. One of the Roosevelt's. Oh. Yeah. And <laughs> wasn't he president like four <laughs> times? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, you know, it, but he, uh, it could only be more ironic if it had been one of the Kennedys who'd done it. Like, ah, oh, we don't want anybody to have dynasties but us. Uh, <laughs> but well, the, no, I don't want dynasties. Yeah. Well, well, look, <laughs> look at our dynasties. I mean, you can see why it's such a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but they, they, the idea was supposed to be that that way you couldn't like make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars and then hold on to it and then your family just controlled an enormous amount of wealth forever because you made a bunch of money of course what that ignores is that the people who inherit that money have a really good tendency (laughs) to continue to make more money because they then take that and invest it in even more businesses and even more things and hiring more people and on top of that you know it's not your fucking money (laughs) leave it alone (laughs) there there are Rothschilds and Rockefellers doing the shifty eye meme right now yeah like So what people have done, there are actually tons of banks now in like South Dakota and North Dakota that are huge banks in the middle of nowhere in tiny towns with billions of dollars of holdings because they don't have anti-dynasty laws. So all of these rich people keep the money there. (laughs) I think it's like North or South Dakota has its own central bank, right? Like uh, outside the Federal Reserve, I believe. Want to say that's North Dakota? I could. Yeah, right I don't know. I have a <laughs> smartphone. Yeah, I don't. I'll look it up. I don't remember which, but I do know, like, because I the reason that I found that out was because a friend of mine she actually works as a personal banker at one of the banks. She got hired out there, and yep. the reason she even applied and moved out to South Dakota was because they were offering like a six figure salary to be a personal banker, and wow. she was like. Holy crap. Yeah, I'll move out there. I can buy, you know, a bunch of land and kind of live away from everybody. And sure, but why are they paying so much? The yeah. Bank of North Dakota is a state owned, state run financial institution based in Bismarck. It is the only government owned general service bank in the United States. Yep. Yeah. And that's, but I mean, that she, she got hired out there and she couldn't total, figure out why they were total paying so asset, much. Total assets, $7.015 billion. Mm-hmm. And, and then an she op- got out there and she found out. Has an operating income of $158 million. Yep, exactly. And Just that's, almost- yeah, and that's because all of these rich people are tucking all their money into those banks in, in North and South Dakota so that they can just give it to their kids and the kids, kids and the kids, kids, kids. And it can just be inherited. 
and yep. it doesn't get snatched away by the state arbitrarily because nope, you've just had too much money for too long. Like that's I mean, think about imagine if imagine if your neighbors your your their grandfather made a bunch of money and then he handed it off to his son, your next door neighbor, and then your next door neighbor was gonna give it to his son, and then you thought that you could just go, No, that you gotta share some of that with me. <laughs> like what? But that's exactly what these laws are, is like, no, you gotta share that with me. It's it's <laughs> it's uh, absolute fucking um, entitlement attitude. Completely. Like, what? You didn't earn that. They put in, like, you want to sit there. These people want to sit there and criticize some of these. Now, I'm not saying that all multimillionaire CEOs are, you know, are angels and got there honestly or anything else. But, but the one did. yeah, they the did. ones who did, like, they put in, you know, they missed how many birthdays and funerals and weddings and everything else. And they worked 80 hours a week every single week for 12 years to even get close to where they are now. And then you think that somehow that you just because, oh, well, I made some bad decisions in college now deserve a chunk of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, my, what? I, my liberal arts degree. <laughs> Millions. <laughs> the irony is, if you actually had an art degree, like a true art degree, you could actually work for some of those people as personal art hunters and verifiers and make six figures very easily, almost straight out of college. So <laughs> if you wanted to work for them and you wanted to put in that kind of effort to actually pursue one of those jobs, they make a ton of money, a ton of money. And they get to travel around the world for free. Because their, their jobs just send them place. So, I mean, like, hey, man, if you want to do that and that's your goal, more power to you. Go get the art degree, whatever. All right, fine, whatever. I don't care. You're, you're making an enormous amount of money. You're not necessarily contributing anything to society, but you're still trading your labor for something, you know, that people value for something. So, all right, fine. My gender studies and intersectionality doctorate didn't get me millions of dollars. I'm disappointed. <laughs> you know, the best part is that I found out that my gun-toting army veteran almost kind of sort of brother-in-law, the, the, my sister's boyfriend, the mother of her, her child, um, has a gender studies degree. No, I didn't even I think that was... Your goldfish's uncle's ex-roommate's cousin has yeah, a gender yeah. studies degree. Yeah, yeah, no, my so my my almost kind of sort of brother-in-law. Her, they, they live together. They own a house together. He's the father. Of, they're just not legally married. Um, yeah, he has he he totes guns around. He's he's a army vet with multiple combat deployments. He's pretty hardcore, like liberty loving, and he has a gender studies degree. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's like what. Yeah, I heard that, and I just... I, what? <laughs> Say that again? Aaron has what? A gender studies degree? I, what? <laughs> and oh, and what does he do? He works as an engineer on a railroad. Because <laughs> apparently that's the career path for gender studies now. <laughs> Direct to the railroad. <laughs> 
say that's misogynistic because you know you could you could totally he's taking a spot of a woman being a. a... <laughs> <laughs> it's not inclusive. Exactly. <laughs> that was, I all right. You you I have to. I, I have to I have to bring that article up now just because you said that and we didn't have a podcast back then. Um there was an article about Okay. Um Feds paid seven hundred and nine thousand dollars to academic who studies how glaciers are sexist. There was women said women some feminists said that like um uh urban architecture was sexist mm-hmm. because these skyscrapers look like penises. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah I saw that. But yeah, this this this, this article this article is from March 2016, right? So it's four years old at this point. But it says academics at the University of Oregon have determined that glaciers and the science and Sorry, the science that studies them are deeply sexist. Quote: <laughs> Merging feminist close. Po- Sorry. Quote, merging uh, feminist post-colonial science studies and feminist political ecology, the feminist <laughs> the feminist glaciology framework generates robust analysis of gender wow. power and, and a, a, <laughs> a <piece. laughs> I I can't read this. Those are all words. <laughs> pretty sure. sure. They're all words. And it says um uh thereby <laughs> leading to more just and uh equitable science. And human ice interactions. Read the paper's <laughs> abstracts. The paper was the paper was published in the journal Progress in Human Geography back in January. Oh my god! What? Yeah. I, like if you didn't know. So okay, okay. So quote. Most existing glaciology research and hence discourse and discussions about cryosphere change stems from information produced by men about men with manly characteristics and within mask within masculinist discourse. These characteristics apply to scientific disciplines beyond glaciology. There is an explicit need to undercover the role of women in history of science and technology. We also while also exposing processes for it for excluding women from science and technology a guy got seven hundred thousand dollars a seven hundred thousand dollar grant from the government to come up with that you know the i was gonna say this is fucking like you know uh, doing studies on like how monkeys in or react to like cocaine or some shit done by the government the the sexual antics of whales on cocaine well, no, they, they had one where they put where they put shrimp on a treadmill. <laughs> that is the tiniest little tread. That would be adorable, actually. If you I think about it. Think troll. I don't know. Like that's just absurd. I but I mean, if you didn't know that those were all real terms that were really being used, you would swear it was a joke. Like it's an SNL sketch. It's got to no, be. It's like, just pure parody of reality. It's like uh, I'm surprised they didn't say it was racist because the ice looks white. <laughs> Give it time. I'm sure there's an article. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I love the, it, the that game where you go is and anything you want racist on Google, and you will find an article that says that everything is racist. Oh, like, well, one of the funniest ones I heard lately was um, 
that uh, what was it Rutgers University had come out with a thing saying that grammar is racist, and then they were called racist for assuming that black people didn't know grammar. Well, yeah, because that's awfully freaking racist. Oh. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Oh yeah, like, well, it's like like Joe Biden's the the um, <laughs> was it the white people? Is it white people have more economic opportunities no. than poor people? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, how is that now racist as shit? Oh, what my was, God. What was jo- Joe Biden's newest one about women? Oh, he said oh, that don't... women, Joe Biden said that women need his help to succeed in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he said. He said, that's, uh, I got the PJ Media article. He says, uh, um, let's see, where's the direct quote? He says, uh. The hard truth is women, and particularly women of color, have never had a fair shot to get ahead in this country. That is why today I'm releasing my plan to make sure women can fully participate in our economy and country. So, uh, black women need an old white man's help to succeed, is literally what he said. If you, if you're, if you don't vote for him, you're not really black. Yeah, how is... And the fact that there are still people like like this guy has clearly not changed from his days of opposing integration. Yeah. He clearly is the same old school Democrat who opposes the idea that whites and blacks should just interact freely. He's still that same guy. He hasn't changed very obviously. He hasn't changed at all. Well, the only change is <laughs> senile, but. Well, yeah, I mean, he's kind of losing his mind. But it's, oh. you got to wonder if before the debates, they'll be like, Joe, Joe, look, ooh, look at me, look at me, eye contact. You are at a presidential debate. The year is 2020. Okay, Joe, are you keeping Sorry. up with me? Take <laughs> uh, his pulse. Oh, man. And then, yeah, they're just, Joe, Joe, hey, are you with me here? <laughs> You know, before he walks on that stage, they're hitting him with a B twelve shot. <laughs> just... <laughs> He's a teleprompter. <laughs> who's who's the who's the host of the debate? Oh God, he's black. Oh no. <laughs> Joe, do not call that man Joe... colored. Do not call that man colored. <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden opens the debate. What's up, brother? <laughs> Yo, homie. Did you see the other day the the um con- video at, like Congress or whatever with that that old white dude with the dreads? Did you I, see I, that I, crap? Yeah, oh Seriously, oh. he has like full on like cornrows and dreads. It is the greatest thing I have ever seen. Is it a, is it a virtue oh. signal or is it just like? I have no idea, but he's like, like just this old, like congressional dude in like a suit, but with like cornrows, like dyed blonde cornrows, and <laughs> and then they hang down like four inches behind his head, and when he'd turn his head, you'd see him swing around, and it's like, wait, did I just see what I think I just? Oh my god, I did! <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Funniest damn thing I've ever seen. Like, are you trying to appeal to millennials or something here? Because, dude, it's just absurd. I'm sorry, it's, a, it's just it's absurd. <laughs> yeah, you know he's like he's the don't be a menace kind of guy, where he's just gonna be like yo yo yo, homie. I'm like what? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm 
hip. I'm with it. Daka 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 daka. Hey. <laughs> yep. All right. I, I I want I want to like I don't know, I got nothing else. So let's let's cover an article. Okay. Sure. I I, I want to bring this one up because there is there is so much cringe in this short little article. Oh, no. It's out of uh, it's out of Wyoming, Gillette, Wyoming, right? Which is like less than thirty three thousand people. Oh, I'm sure. But it's uh, it's not often civilians can ride in a military style armored vehicle. But twelve year old Anna Faladin recently had that opportunity. "Quote: Oh my God," she said, and as she saw members of the Campbell County Sheriff's Office Special Response Unit park a Cayman in front of her Gillette home Tuesday afternoon. The vehicle was larger than what Faladin imagined. It's a large 6x6 armored vehicle that can carry a team of 10 soldiers on a mission. When fully fueled, it weighs in at more than 15 tons. I just, you gotta see a photo of this monstrosity. Look at this thing. Yeah, it is not small. It is, looks like a futuristic. It is huge. Yes, it's like a tank tank on wheels. Yes, uh, she says I thought it was gonna. Ju- I thought it was just going to be like an SUV or something. Uh, Faladin, who was able to do more than stand in awe, however, she got a tour of the vehicle and was taken for a spin around the block in the behemoth. It was epic. I also think it looks like an angry Donald Duck from the front. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Afterwards, she helped put decals on the stick on the vehicle that read "Boomer," the new name of the particular armored vehicle. Faladin's ride, Faladin's, Faladin's ride was her reward for winning a local SWAT students without alcohol and tobacco team contest, where she was one of the many students who submitted the name for Cayman. She, she, first of all, she named it Boomer, which is hilarious. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, <clears throat> they named the Limo Group SWAT. Yes. Yeah, the sheriff's the sheriff's office acquired Boomer um, as part of the ten thirty three program. We need like a, a deep fried Boomer meme of her like standing next to the thing, saying like, "I know that the fucking Budweiser is going to be sneaking in gays through NASCAR or something." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I, I don't know much about that Antifa, but I know enough to know that they're going to be sneaking them gays in to the local Walmart. <laughs> yes, but I, I no. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I I wanted to take this back to the culture, right? We, 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 the culture, societal culture that we have in our country. And I, I use I used R again. Damn it! The societal culture that exists now in this country. This girl was happy. This twelve-year-old girl was happy and excited to ride around in a armored police vehicle. Is that like worry anybody else? Well, see, I will explain exactly the reason why she she was all about that. Because if you think about it from a biological and evolutionary standpoint. <laughs> No, no, seriously, women have always had to go along with whoever was the protecting class of mm-hmm. that society. 
right? Whether it's an invading tribe or the yeah, that's what we talked with, with Derek earlier. We talked about that about how women biologically were different; they had to learn to to lead from a different way, right? And they and they also had to go along with whoever was the most dominant of that you know tribe at the time, because otherwise they would either be cast out or they would be killed. So it's like from a biological psychological standpoint of like evolutionary kind of strategy of surviving you go along with whoever you see as your protector kind of thing from a female standpoint mm-hmm. you know, it may not make sense like on a deep subconscious level that's kind of where it comes from well i think it's also just that i mean you know and i even now like armored vehicles are freaking cool man i mean i have a german german world war ii 88 millimeter shell <laughs> from a tiger sitting behind me right now like armored vehicles are really cool because they're huge yeah. and they're powerful and they're loud and they're a lot of fun and like you feel invincible in them you're definitely not history has shown yeah. you are very much not but you you feel like you are and it's just and like i understand like as a kid because like as a kid i used to love like climbing on like, because I'm not that far from Fort McCoy, which is one of the largest mobilization bases for um, National Guard units in the country. Like, they all come here to mobilize so that they can get retrained and stuff. And so there's a ton of military vehicles, and they used to do open houses. And I remember as a kid going there, and, you know, and we would go and, like, play around on the tanks, and we get to, like, sit inside the wheels of the really big vehicles and it was really cool just because they're so big and they're so powerful and it's neat and it's rare that you get to see them. Yeah. So that's cool. But at the same time, the fact that she's as old as she is and is not alarmed when she sees it, that the local police in a tiny town that is in fact smaller than the small town I'm in. Less, (laughs) less than Gillette is less than 33,000 people. Yeah, so it's half, half the size of lacrosse, and it has a massive mil-spec armored vehicle, and that doesn't alarm her. Like, you you know, if that was a liberty-loving kid, one, they wouldn't have participated in the naming contest for it, other than, like, calling it, you know, like, Judge Dredd, or something <laughs> intentionally, like, ironic, but... <laughs> The fist of compliance, something like that, you know. And <laughs> Big brother. Yeah, like, but if that was a liberty-loving kid, they'd be horrified at the idea. Like, oh, my God, why do you have this? Like, what do you need this for? That's You're not protecting and serving anybody in that. You're, you're domineering and intimidating people with that. It's exactly the opposite. That's what that's for. You, you don't. Like, that's the thing is, I think that's because of the subtle way that the militarization of police has happened, people miss the fact that ostensibly police and military are supposed to serve entirely different functions. Absolutely. The the military exists solely for coercion. That is why it exists, is active, violent coercion. That's it. It's the only reason it's there. It's the only reason it exists. It's the only reason it has ever existed is for violent coercion, to make other people do something with violence. The police originally, I mean, the first organized police force in the world was where? New York City. So there's that. But 
the the police originally were supposed to be to serve the public. They were supposed to serve at the pleasure of the public. They were not there to coerce. They were there to protect. That was the idea yeah. of the police originally. And it's a completely opposed to the idea of the military. So when you try to bring the military into the police, you don't make the military hardware kindlier and gentler. Like it doesn't suddenly become this, you know, Oh, it's, it's warm fuzzy launcher. No, it, it's still a fucking grenade launcher. Like it, you just make the police stop being what they were supposed to be originally, what they were envisioned as, and you turn them into a military that exists solely to coerce. Not yep. even, not even if they get a cool nickname like boomer. <laughs> That see that word anybody who's played Far Cry, yes. <laughs> the most recent Far Cry, <laughs> Boomer is still annoying as shit because you're like, God damn it, Boomer, shut up! Just, <laughs> every, time, that every time you're trying to loot somebody and he stands over the body and you end up petting him instead of looting the body and it's just, or you're trying to sneak and he goes bark bark and runs off and you're like, shut the fuck up, Boomer! <laughs> 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 like just endlessly, like shut. Up, God damn it! This is uh, this kind of ties back to what I was saying earlier with people not actually being actively engaged with their children Mm -hmm. and teaching them right from wrong, and you know what what they see in reality as being, you know, okay, well that's commonplace, that's fine, but that is, you know, whatever, that's out of place. Like you know, you that should not be the way it is. You know, just like is common sense things and you shouldn't be seeing the fucking police rolling around and essentially tanks on wheels, <laughs> you know, even in a small town. Well, yeah. <laughs> Rewind the clock. What? 25 years, 30 years. And imagine the movies that came out 30 years ago, whenever you saw police in armored vehicles rolling around is because it was a dystopian police state future. <laughs> exactly. Red, red I dawn. Anyone I... red dawn. <laughs> exactly. Window to such a degree. By playing like the kind of Hegelian dialectic of, uh, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, where they, you know, play one side of the spectrum to get people to cry for a solution. And then they bring in the synthesis, which is the solution that was already prepared beforehand. So it allows them to incrementally expand the police state by giving these people, you know, justification for it existing in the first place. Yeah, that's that's like, where, no, where where terms like the war on drugs comes into effect. Yeah, or any of that. Yeah, it, it, I mean it. It comes from so many different angles that unless you're really informed and understand what's being played upon you, you're going to be like you're just going to see them as like single filaments, as just like you know individual kind of like isolated things instead of it being part of a macro greater plan to. You know, essentially take away your freedom. Yeah, and and on the, yeah, and and there has been and in existence a literal multiple gener or multi generation indoctrination program that exists that has shifted this Overton window that has that has killed largely killed the 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 self sufficiency, um, the individualism, and has created this huge collectivist reliance on the state culture. Well, and it's and that that plays into the um, the the term that I was looking for because I had to find my notes from back when I was on on 
status quo. Um, it's Gleichschaltung is what the um, the the Nazis called it. This this synchronization, this idea that what you do is you cause government to pervade so completely all of everyday life in every possible way mm-hmm. that the state and the person they don't see a difference. That's not so the state. Yeah, so the state can do anything they want because the people will go, well, but if it's protecting the state, it's protecting me. So therefore, it's okay, no matter what. No matter yeah, what you which, do, yeah. they'll be like, oh, no, that's because me, the state, were one thing. You know, the one thing that I, I laughed after I did the show with Matt that I laughed to him, I said, you know, the funny thing is, is as I was going through the, the real meaning of fascism and, and its ideals and everything, the one thing I didn't want to say in the show, but now I'm kind of like, fuck it, is uh, the similarities between that and the idea of democracy is remarkable. Populism. Yeah, and it's it's the idea that because, I mean, the fascism at its core, the idea is that the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, that everyone needs to give up their individuality for the greater good. That's that's the idea is it's this greater good thing. And that's exactly what American democracy and re- American, you know, the, the idea of this democratic republic and everything is, is that everybody gives up their individuality because it's for the greater good, man. Yeah, that's, But you got to worry right. about everybody else. That's for ideas like, like patriotism and nationalism. and Exactly. It's that, that idea, the entire concept of this big nationalism thing is itself a very fascist concept. It's a very socialist concept. It's a this idea of social responsibility to tons of people, regardless, simply because you all belong to the same nation. Yeah, Not- like Trump the other day saying that wearing a mask was patriotic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have the founding fathers were like, yeah, wear a mask. Just do it because we said so. <laughs> That's totally. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember Jefferson saying something about wearing a mask. <laughs> I wrote a declaration of, pendants, uh, of independence against anything of such nature. <laughs> Just... Yeah, well, yeah, and that's the funny, like, the Declaration of Independence specifically, like, outlines the idea that when a government worries more about everybody and more about itself than it worries about the individuals, that it's time to get rid of it. <laughs> not, only, not only is it time to get rid of it, it is your duty to get rid of it. Yeah, you're obligated to ditch it and go a different direction. <laughs> no, I would match. all in favor of that. <laughs> It's not um, filled, the power vacuum isn't filled with uh, these, you know, um, totalitarian fucking revolutionaries. You know, because well, that that, was... that's the issue is that the, you know, as long as people aren't up to snuff in terms of their own independence and self-sufficiency and able to defend themselves, it's, you know, that power vacuum is will be filled by somebody that's more totalitarian unless they can, you know, well, yeah, have a the... stand up to it. The only, yeah, the only way that the state can exist necessarily is is to justify its own existence, right? So it and it, it has to keep it has to keep eating people, literally eating people, in order to create a system that necessitates its own necessity. 
Yeah, right. and it's. That, I mean, that's that, why that you have banning so bad. Necessitates its that's, own necessity. That's too. Well, no, that's that that works though because it's you know it's Patricio Principe. It, it, it's begging the question. You know, it's the you're you're going you're going back to you know this this appeal to the to the masses for your own justification, but the masses are your justification. So you're like yeah. it's just this big right. circular thing. So no, that works. It's but it. Ooh. I mean that yeah, that we, was one of those. We, we need government because people are bad because we need government because people are bad or yeah, we need a government made up of people because well, people, because are, people bad are bad because yeah. we need a government made of people yeah and that's exactly it it's endless <laughs> this endless cycle and no one sits there i mean that's why they take away your ability to um to to gather rainwater to irrigate they take away your ability to you know under threat of force to garden in your front yard there's actually right up the street from my house there is a house and their entire front yard, because there's no city ordinance against it, their entire front yard is nothing but raised garden. Oh, fantastic. Yep. The whole thing. Earlier, too, I think it was like, uh, or no, yesterday it was out by like Olympia. That's so like, cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing it. Like, I drive past it every day, but I always, like, glance in and checking on how their tomatoes are doing and stuff. And, like, oh, you're looking pretty good. And it's been so hot and dry here lately. Like, stuff is looking a little wilty. And I'm like, oh, man, they really got to water that. <laughs> hey, water your plants. Yeah, yeah, please, yeah. water your vegetables. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd say one of the hugest white pills that I've seen come out of this whole situation with everything that's gone on, with everything being in flux and you know, no sense of, you know, stability from one day to the next. People knowing what's going to, you know, what the future is going to roundabout be like. It's kind of forced people that have a brain to be more self-sufficient and say, okay, what do I actually value in life? You know, and kind of come to the basics and be like, okay, well, this is what I need to kind of focus my attention on instead of all these fucking you know, external bullshit things that don't even really mean anything in, in the grand scheme of things. Like, I need to focus on my kids. I need to focus on, you know, being able to provide for them. I need to focus on making sure I have a home, you know, where we can live under a roof. And all these, like, you know, basic things that people take, a, you know, take for granted. And now mm -hmm. people are, like, coming back home to be like, whoa, all right, let's slow things down for a minute. I need to get back to, you know, kind of just, you know, providing for myself, my family and just make things fucking simple and i think in a, a big degree that's going to kind of um negate the system's ability to have as much influence on people as it used to because a lot of people are now homeschooling as a result mm -hmm. of all this mind schooling <laughs> and it's going to backfire on them hard Vir virginia virginia has a law that says um uh, for te for teleschooling, right? That's the big thing now is teleschooling because kids aren't physically going to school; they're they're doing school online. That kids in Virginia have to have a full immunization for teleschooling. They're literally not going to a school. They're not interacting with anybody else. You're an only child, but you need full immunization, even though you're going to stay at home. Yeah. What in the fuck? Virginia? Yeah. We wouldn't want you to get any childhood diseases from those stuffed animals. Like, what? <laughs> We're cool with killing babies up until fucking birth, basically. Yeah, but but once you're born, boy, you better you better pump yourself full of all sorts of things that we say. And that's the thing is, like, remember, I am not anti-vax. 
I very much support the idea of vaccinations. I do unashamedly. Yeah, I mean, as long as due diligence has been done and and things have been looked at and there's there's verifiable peer reviewed evidence that shows that it's safe and it's effective and everything else, or at least even slightly effective, because, you know, what, I'll take a 15 percent effective vaccine that isn't going to cause me any harm just fine because it's a 15 percent reduction in the chance that I'm going to get whatever disease. It might not be perfect, but it's a reduction. It's still better than absolutely nothing. I'll take it fine. Whatever that and polio sucks. The yes. whole thing is that it's not the inoculated. Um you know, disease or virus or bacteria or whatever they're giving you, that's the issue. It's the adjuvants, it's the Mm -hmm. MRC5 uh, aborted fetal cells that they put in it, you know, that they do experimentation on. Um, It's, you know, the aluminum, the thimerosal, the, you know, formaldehyde, all all these things that they add to it, all of the peanut oil and all these things that stimulate your immune system that are the issue. It's not necessarily that they're trying to inoculate you from getting things which in theory I think is a good idea, but it's, you know, the fact that they've used that as a way to hijack people's immune systems and make them reliant on the medical industrial complex. Well, you know, and that's, and I mean, there's plenty of argument for that, but my, my point is that like, and I've seen what happens when people don't firsthand, when people don't vaccinate en masse, because I wound up with pertussis, which was a disease that had virtually disappeared because of, you know, vaccination. And then it got a foothold in the unvaccinated, mutated. And because I hadn't gotten boosters or anything, obviously, because, you know, I was an adult and didn't bother. I wound up with it. Yay me. And it almost killed me. So I know what that feels like to wind up having to deal with it, which is why I'm a proponent for it. Like, no, look, I know what happens. But regardless of that, the idea that government, I don't even care if it's medically a good idea. The idea that government would force you force you under threat of violence to shoot something into your bloodstream yeah hell fucking no violation of personal sovereignty it's like 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 dershowitz was trying to push that the under some 1919 supreme court ruling or 1909 i forget what it was but he said there was some supreme court ruling that set that set the precedent that if it's in the interest of the um, greater good, essentially, you know, another collectivist ideal, mm-hmm. um, if interest of the greater good of the you know society or nation or whatever, that the government has the right to forcibly inoculate you. Ah, uh, and isn't that the same shit you hear from the mask holes all the time? Oh, but yeah. it's for the it's not because it doesn't prevent the masks don't prevent you from getting it, but it's from you <laughs> transmitting. And don't you care about everyone else? <clears throat> Why am I obligated to give a shit about you? First of all, I don't know you. I don't, I don't care. I don't even like myself. How in the hell am I going to like yeah, you? Like, I, I like <laughs> literally no one. Like, what? screw you. <laughs> I am under no obligation to care about you. None. None. Zero. Zilch. That's that whole idea of the freedom of association. I don't care. And if you don't like the fact that I'm not wearing a mask, then don't come near me. You know what? (laughs) I am very okay with you not coming within six feet of me. That's Once this is all done, if it's ever done, and it probably won't be, but once this is all done, I am totally okay with us hanging on to that whole social distancing ideal. Yes, please stay six feet away from me when I'm in public. I beg you. (laughs) Could we make that 12 feet? 
Can just everybody just part like the Red Sea as I walk? That would be great if we could do that. I think I think people oh, just carry around hockey sticks and beat anybody that comes close to them. <laughs> oh! <laughs> They're in range and you can swing it and hit them. Yeah, okay. There you go. <laughs> just like I a contraption with like swinging baseball bats that stick out six feet. <laughs> just like no, you got to stay away, man. <laughs> Come any closer and you're gonna get nailed. I'm right in the still, uh, 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 Ball bats attached to it. <laughs> Whack. Yeah. Oh, God. S- sadistic Jason is still hoping it gets worse, and we're all forced to have our own little isometric bubbles, like Bubble Boy. Fauci's already recommending goggles. Go- know, and goggles that's... and gloves. Yeah. The, the best part about that is that when I saw that he had said something about the goggles, I'm like, you know, I oppose masks so much, and my work is still forcing me to do it. I think I'm going to come in with a pair of ballistic goggles on. And when people look at me funny, I'm going to be like, well, if you're going to make me wear a mask, I might as well. And you're going to say, well, but but the, the doctors are saying, OK, well, they also said this. So I guess goggles it is. Well, like, we're like World War One aviation goggles and like, <laughs> pilot's cap. Leather helmet. <laughs> <laughs> it was like freaking Snoopy. <laughs> People be like, what's going on with you? I, just in case the Red Baron strikes. Yeah, man. <laughs> Too prepared. Yeah. Look, never... <laughs> Boy Scout motto, man. Always be prepared. You never know. He may come out of nowhere. Yep. Uh, that's why I always check the sun when I walk outside. He might be hiding right there, and he'll dive in. <laughs> next, next level protection. Anti-COVID helmet uses space technologies to stop virus in its tracks. That's on, uh, that's on RT. Oh, that's furries, though. You know, if it looks slightly cooler, I would just wear it just for the sake of wearing it. Like, just because people would look at me weird. Like, you Slight, know anything? Slightly cooler? Are you kidding me? Tell me that doesn't look like Metroid. It does a bit. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Oh, I thought they were furries at first. I was like, those are like... <laughs> <laughs> God damn. You know, the funny thing is, speaking of furries and the like, the funny thing is that with everything going on, like guys like Dead Mouse actually had the right idea the whole time and we didn't even know. <laughs> he was way out of the curve. Yeah. Before... He can just walk around normally now. No one even looks at him weird. <laughs> or, um, um, Oh God! Why am I spacing the the other techno guys? The two of them that wear the the French dudes that wear the helmets. Um, um, Daft Punk. Yeah, Daft Punk. Like, yeah, they're also way ahead of the the techno scene. Is super ahead of the curve here. And oh, remember, yeah. Rage, they're always wearing the masks with the lights and stuff. Yeah, they're totally like th- this whole time. They're trying to warn us. <laughs> Blue Man Blue Man Group. They have the full body paint. <laughs> right. You don't gotta worry about the virus getting to you if you can't get to you. Yeah, see, you're all sealed in under the latex paint. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something. It was like a um, a video conference or something. <clears throat> I think it was like two Israeli guys. They were talking about how they were going to have sensors, sensors in the mask in the future to read your biometrics in terms of your breathing rate, your temperature. Like all this shit, and it was going to be all built into the mask, and you would get a filter sent to you for free, and you would have to sign up and buy the mask, and it would be like you know custom fit and all this shit. I'm like, what the fuck? Like these guys well, the, are really like 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 dreaming of this being long term. Well, the the new the new version um, 
the Big Brother surveillance cameras, like they have thermal imaging and they can read body temperatures. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if right? you're running so, a fever, yeah, if you're running a fever, they'll all re- they'll know from that. So, well, yeah, and that's I mean, you know, and the funny thing is, is all I can think of is I know a lot of people didn't watch it. I'm probably gonna get judged so hard, but I watched it Earth Two. If anybody ever watched the C- the series Earth Two. Yeah, the, you're, you're about to get kicked off the podcast. <laughs> it was not good. I will say it is not good, but I'm a big fan of sci-fi. And it was sort of almost kind of Star Trek-ish. But um, the son, her son, the main character's son, was super sick. Constantly. And she said in the opening of the show that he wasn't sick because of exposure to all of these germs and everything, but from a lack of it, because his immune system mm-hmm. never learned how to respond to things. Mm-hmm. Yep. So because of that, he was totally unprepared. And what I'm seeing in the future, if we keep this shit up, is exactly that. If we keep sanitizing the living crap out of everything and we keep... Wearing masks and we keep wearing gloves and we keep all of you know hand sanitizing obsessively and all these other things and we all turn into germaphobes. No one's gonna ever get exposed properly. Their their immune systems are never gonna naturally just become a thing that works. Yeah, and when they like a thing that their body would naturally fight off is just gonna fucking wreck. Like mm-hmm. hand sanitizing with antibacterial hand sanitizer. To fight off a virus? Yes. Well, if it's really strong alcohol, it still works because viruses can't... I mean, nothing can withstand a hyper-alcohol-based solution. It just... It kills. But you're not not buying that at Walmart. Well, you can. You got to look for something that's 85 to 90% alcohol. They're a little difficult to find, (laughs) especially now... But I mean, even seventy yeah. percent alcohol works. It just doesn't work. But yeah, that's for... um, um, to t- to piggyback on that, that's I had that similar discussion with a few people about uh, the whole uh, the second wave that they were talking about, right? Well, I mean, you lock people down for two, three months. You close the gyms, right? They can't. They you you close the farmers markets, right? You limit the trips to the store. Um, you close the economy, right? So the farmers aren't picking good food. So what do they have? They have fast food and they have processed food. Mm-hmm. Right. So you weaken the immune system from that. They weaken the immune system from not working out. They stay inside so they don't get their vitamin D. Yep. And then the government lifts the quarantines and everybody pops out like a fucking jack in the box and gets exposed. And it's like, oh, my God, the numbers are going up. Well, no fucking shit. Well, the numbers are going up. You know, the closest thing that I can I can compare this to is an H1N1 flu and not everyone calls swine flu, which by the way, I had really not fun. Um, <laughs> the everyone calls swine flu H1N1, but they, it, the H and the N only and the numbers only refer to the proteins present in the virus. The original H1N1, the earliest one that we've positively identified, is the Spanish flu in 1918. Mm-hmm. And that's the closest thing that I can compare what people are the way people are responding is the way sort of the way that they responded to Spanish flu. Now the difference is that the Spanish flu killed a lot of fucking people, (laughs) a lot of people. 
um, an alarming number of people. Uh, it was something like, and if you look at it, um, it was like something like 50 million deaths worldwide, um, almost three quarters of a million deaths in the United States over the course of like three waves. I think it was three waves. It might have been four. Um, three separate waves of infections. Yeah. F- 50 million people, uh, 675,000 occurring in the U.S. Yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about this massive epidemic. And they wore masks. They did. That was that was a thing. And yet, it still killed that many people, first of all. Just want to point out. Still killed that many people. Um, and, that, and the people who got it, because there were way more, way, 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 way more infections than there were deaths. And remember, this is 1918. Modern medicine doesn't exist, right? Like, there's, there's still, like, germ theory is a recent thing. So <laughs> this, is, this isn't a really thing, which means that the people who got infected and didn't die just got better on their own. That was it. They just, they, they got it. They got better. Yes. Did it kill lots of people? Yes. Was it a horrible tragedy? Yes. But it was also, you know, an act of God. Like... It's it, it, there's nothing that you could have done to really prevent it. There's some evidence that it actually probably originated in Southeast Asia, much like COVID and basically every other epidemic <laughs> virus that has ever hit us. You heard it originated from a military base in Kansas where they were slaughtering uh, um, pork, or well, you know, pigs for pork to uh, give to the. Uh, the military abroad for World War One, like towards the end of World War One, and then that's that's how it got spread globally. Was because it was um, the pork products were distributed, you know, to the military, and then they they were the vector for the disease. Well, there's there's a little bit of debate among epidemiologists exactly how it happened historically. From everything that I've read on it, um, there was an initial outbreak in Southwest China that shows an alarming number of similarities with Spanish flu to make everybody think that it's likely that the pigs that made it to various places and not just Kansas, but actually made it to the front lines in Europe. Cause remember refrigeration isn't really a thing yet. Yeah. So you would ship live livestock um, that a lot of it is actually that, you know, you, you got tons of, of meat and things from China as well as uh, however many hundreds of thousands of workers that came from China to the Western front to help out. Cause remember China was part of the Entente um, and they helped out. And so that it, it's possible that it, that's how it transmitted. No one's entirely certain exactly where it came from. But what we do know is that once it broke out, it broke out everywhere and hit everyone really, really hard. I mean, there was almost no household in the United States that didn't have at least one person who got sick with it. Mm-hmm. Not that they died, but that got sick with it. I mean, it's everywhere. Everywhere, all over the place. It fucked up the economy so hard. And then consider, when you consider the death toll, the craziest part about the lost generation, right, which is the generation that fought World War One. um, the lost generation is that they had lost something like a, uh, like an, uh, I want to say like a fifth of their entire generation to world war one. Yeah. And then, and, and then like another fifth to the fucking disease. Yeah. And then, and then the, the, the virus hits and it winds up being almost a full third of an yeah. entire generation. That's insane, dude. Dies. Of yeah, course, the world got fucked up. <laughs> 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 well, 
rumors fucking came out of that, right? Well, yeah. Oh. Well, and look at look, yeah. Look at you. You have you have largely you have communism comes out of that. Fascism comes out of that. Um, National socialism comes out of that. You have war after war that comes out of that. You have the Great Depression ultimately comes out of that. Mm-hmm. You have all of these horrible effects from everything having to shut down because of this virus and a war. And then consider how many wars are happening right now, mostly at the hands of the United States. An economic collapse in 29. And well, I think it was like what twenty and twenty nine. Like twenty nine was the big one, but like there was you know a recession or whatever prior to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was a, a start of a panic and a combination of um, I want to say it was J P Morgan. I could be wrong. Yeah, but I want to say it was like J P Morgan actually bought just a shit ton of stocks himself personally to try and preserve the the faith in the market. Because it all existed on faith. I mean, none of the money was real. None of the value was real. It was entirely on faith and and trust. So he just needed to restore that. Um, And he did. I mean, he pulled it off. It's amazing that one man had enough wealth to actually pull that off. But he did. And part of it's because he invested in Edison. Basically a... uh... Yeah, it says um, after the World War ended, the global economy began to decline in the United States. 1918, 1919 saw a modest economic retreat, but the second part of 1999, 1919 saw a mild recovery. A more severe recession hit the United States in 20 and 21, with the global economy fell very sharply. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and what what I think people need to look at my whole point with that little rabbit trail is look at that. I mean, that's always one of the things that I bring up all the time is look to history to know what's going to happen in the future. And you look at that, you look at that pandemic and what it caused and what happened. And you know what's coming because of COVID. Oh, well, we haven't even seen the full. We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg right now because we're on wave one. Well, I'm not even talking about like in terms of the virus itself. I'm talking about like unemployment running out. Mm -hmm. talking about predictions about to start happening and talking about people not being able to get jobs it's like shit's gonna get bad oh yeah and And that's and people think it's like oh well you know the worst is over now we just kind of have to like you know make it through their all their bullshit restrictions like dude like it it hasn't even begun yet fucking be prepared for what's coming down the fucking road because it's gonna get ugly probably well, yeah, and that's I what mean, you saw with the pandemic, with the, the Spanish flu, is you had, see, the first wave of infection, and in its wake, you have a bunch of nastiness start happening. And then they start to open back up. Everything starts to try and recover and return to normal. And then you hit another wave, because everybody's interacting again, so it spreads again. And then it kills a bunch more people, and then the infection rate goes down, people isolate, the economy gets nasty, things start to go bad, and then everything starts to open back up again because they're like, okay, I think we're in the trough here, I think we're good. And then it hits again, and then this, and then everything gets really bad because now it's been three big hits and closures and no one has any faith in anything anymore and no one knows what's going to happen tomorrow and everything collapses not completely that would take another decade but in another decade that's when the effects well, the reverberations of that finally hit have have we even fully recovered from 2009 2010 absolutely not no. 
can down the road. Now, when it does hit, it's going to fucking hit even harder than it would have if they just let I mean, it. You know, what, back then. I mean, the, the, but, the, the, the FedGov created or literally asked the Federal Reserve to create, what, like $6 trillion this year? The the mm-hmm. the national debt for the month of June was what like two point three trillion. Yeah, and the and the Federal Reserve is like going into areas that they've never gone before. The Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve, uh, for the first time in history, is buying up private debt. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like well, buying, gee, buying a private, private corporate debt. Mm, yeah. So they're they're effectively nationalizing companies. By buying their debt in order to control what the company does, that sounds really familiar. There's, and like there's, maybe there's a, term, there's a term for that. Yeah, gosh, and, I and people use it all the time without any irony it, of what it really means. I think yeah. it starts with an F. Um, I can't Frank remember. Confirmed. Yeah, it's uh, something to do with Germany <laughs> and Italy and, I, and Spain, and I don't remember exactly what. Oh, that's right fascism it's how fascism <laughs> works that's that right there is how it works i mean that's in in what 34 i think is when uh the yunkers plant said no to hitler <laughs> and then and the hitler said watch this cool trick yeah and hitler was like oh oh that's interesting you're gonna tell me no okay yeah um so fun fact under <laughs> the reichstag decree I can just take your company now because it's in the national interest. And so that's what he did. Did it? And he took it. Didn't Trump use that? The national yes. nationalization of yeah, National which, Defense Act. Yeah, yeah. And what should scare you even more is that Biden is talking about doing the exact same thing in multiple interviews for like ventilators and masks and other things. In the interest of the national good nationalizing the company and forcing them to do it. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I think I've seen this playbook before. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't work out well for anybody. Um, that's, it creates a vampire economy. Back to what I was saying earlier about how they, you know, give you the Hegelian dialectic of, you know, oh, this is your opposition. This is what we need to do to combat it. And boom, you get that's the result it. that you want. Yep, that's the phrase to memorize is Gleichschaltung. Gleichschaltung. It's synchronization. Yeah, I'm not going to remember that. It's, you'll eventually I'll hammer it in everybody because I'm sure I'm going to keep bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> but Gleichschaltung is synchronization. It's the absolute national good over everything internalized in every part of everyone's <laughs> lives. You'll have, to, you'll have to write that term down for me. I'll use it as part of the uh, title for this episode. <laughs> Is, you know, something that I want to go out on is that um, <clears throat> when it comes down to it, when things start getting bad for everyone, there needs to be that candle in the dark to provide them with a new model. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And when I mean, that's that was part of the problem at the fall of the Soviet Union that resulted in a lot of the former Soviet like enforcers, like maybe the guy who's in charge of Russia right now um, and and others still staying in power is that when it fell, there was nothing ready to replace it. What do you, yep. when a government collapses, what do you replace it with? What do you do? Everyone's looking for direction. 
and looking for what to do, you have to be ready. Like I keep saying, chaos is not a pit. Chaos is your ladder. You need to be ready to make sure because there are going to be other people throwing ladders into that pit. You need to be ready to make sure that they take your ladder out of it. That is literally the entire purpose of the Cloward Pippin strategy. Yep. Which is not getting nearly as enough play as it should be. Just putting that out there. But we're out of time. I'm bored. My ass hurts from sitting in this chair. (laughs) (laughs) It was a kind of short episode. It was a lot. It was two hours. I mean, we're at like we're we're like fifteen seconds shy of two hours right now. Oh, well, I don't know. It seemed it seemed shorter. It, I guess it just it just went fast because you didn't have to listen to me babble and read try to read things. <laughs> we went off script. What script? We never yeah, have a was, script. You never well, have I mean, a script. I just like, have articles that I want to read yeah. and you, like. That, that's the loose. That's the loose structure. <laughs> on, but otherwise, it's, it's it's literally the liberal arts degree of structure. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it's only vaguely useful, maybe in very specific circumstances. <laughs> so, all right, you guys got anything else? Any closing thoughts? Um, no. I just uh, if I want, if I was to say anything is um. Just you know, be prepared for the road ahead. Uh, how about this? How about this? How about this? If, if if you can, if you could go right now and talk to your former self two years ago, what would you say to your former self? In terms in terms of what's happening right now. Um, I would say to myself to not be uh, too idealistic, and I would say to be realistic in terms of what human tendency and human nature is and try and work within that um i guess you would say i don't know if you call it a really a paradigm but you know within that uh kind of natural order to um provide some kind of structure for a way to get out of these things sounds about right andrew um, well, if I was talking to myself two years ago, the first thing I'd say would get back to training, you fat, lazy fuck. Um, <laughs> pick up the damn guns, go back to the range, get back into shape. You know what you need to do. Stop being a jackass. Um, <laughs> that's man. Yeah, that that would be number one. Um, because I just I went to the range to teach Lindsay how to shoot pistol yesterday, and like I shot a group that was this big at only seven He's- yards. He's holding his fingers like twelve or fourteen inches away. Yeah, only <laughs> at, at only seven yards. That's just awful. Just well, awful. well, you're, you're shooting Glocks. So. <laughs> yeah, Glocks are freaking amazing pistols. I think the problem is just that one. I'm shooting a single stack nine, which I'm used to a double stack nine, so it's much bigger and it sits weird in my hand because it's so thin. Like it feels odd, but. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I'm just I'm really out of practice and trust me, marksmanship is a very perishable skill. Yes. Um, the other thing I think that I would I would remind myself is calm down and be vocal, be more vocal because I don't think I was vocal enough two years ago like I am now. Um, I wasn't seeking out opportunities to get word out and to to speak publicly and things like I am now two years ago, and. I think that's something that I really need. I would have encouraged myself to do more earlier 
because now I'm seeing my ideas start to to spread in a way that makes me very hit where people are picking up on things that I've been <laughs> I've known for a while and they're finally noticing mm-hmm. them and listening. And I'm like, oh, you mean I could have probably been telling you this all along and you would have noticed and maybe I could have helped delay things a little because <laughs> I could have gotten a jump on it two years earlier. Like, yep. hey. it's, all, it's all a growing yep. process, it's all evolution, that, you know, I mean, it's like you're constantly a growing, metamorphosizing being, you know, so it's yeah. like you wish you would have known what you know now two years ago. Yeah, yeah so, so quick, quick fun fact slash humble brag slash embarrassing, Andrew. Matt, <laughs> uh, Matt Freeman from the Status Quo podcast on Twitter the other day called Andrew a national treasure. Yeah, Just, he, said I was a, oh, he said I was a gift to the world, actually. Uh, yeah, like, so, yeah, something like that. Just so. very embarrassing. Um, <laughs> listen, listen to this man, I'm telling you. Listen to both uh, these guys. Don't yeah. don't listen to me because I'll just <laughs> redirect you to these guys. Yeah, I, I I love doing that show. We're gonna be doing more um actually on the Irish Civil War and stuff um coming up. Nice going through the history of that. Yeah, because I obviously have a personal connection. The modern stuff I can't touch too much because I've been told not to by people that I'm not going to argue with. Um but <laughs> <laughs> the, we're gonna leave that there. I've been told that uh, the the translation from Irish into English is loose lips sink ships. So the modern stuff I'm not gonna talk about too much, but um, the history of it and everything we're gonna go through soon, and that'll be fun. Um, that'll be cool. But I I wish I would have known two years ago that like things that I said and then I understood because I understood history so well and I could, you know, present it would resonate with people as much as it does. Because if I had realized that it would resonate so much, I would have been more vocal two years ago. I would have gone out and tried to talk about this stuff way more, way earlier. And I just, I didn't think that anyone wanted to listen to me. (laughs) Yeah. um, Be surprised, man. You just think it's just, people will come around yeah these these ideas these principles that we hold that we expunge like the freedom and liberty and and anarchism and voluntarism and all this other you know preparedness and and self-defense and all these other ideas like they're not just theories like they're they're a lifestyle right it's It's, also common sense as well oh yeah and it'll away from it yeah. And if you live it and if you, you know, you live it, you breathe it, you, you advocate for it. People will come around that you never expect it. I'm seeing it out of my mom and my sister. I'm seeing them come around yeah, and I seen, never seen, would have expected it. I've seen it from Mama Mary too. And it's, uh, it's kind of a surprise. I've seen it from, from Crystal's mom also like, well, just what? a trip. Yeah. yeah. But I always said that it's like you seize on the opportunities when the, um, you know, totalitarians are like trying to seize control because it's yep. in, essentially in those moments in that in that window is your prime opportunity to wake people up and get them to understand things because the system is essentially slitting its throat in the public mind. Yep. Because mm-hmm. anybody that can be convinced of, you know, like, look at this, you see what's going on in front of your face. It's nakedly openly totalitarian. You can see it. It's tangible. You know what I mean? You're going to have to wear a fucking mask on your face to even go into the store. You know, it's yeah. like all these dictates are being <laughs> on you. Flor- cops, and- cops in Florida yeah. are setting up mask check- checkpoints. That's so now it's like, now it's like it, people can't deny it. They can't deny that it's going on. It's right in their fucking face. So it's like oh. you, have to, you have to be like, see? 
this is what I was talking about all this fucking all these years. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like you never listen to me. Now you see it in front of your face, and you know yeah. it's uh, it, it's it's self evident. And not only that, not only that, but I mean, even people who do believe like a lot of the panic that's around COVID right now, you'll hear a lot of them talk about, well, the government should have acted sooner and they should have done more and we should have done more. And that is an opportunity that you need to seize, regardless of whether you believe that or not. You can seize on that and go exactly everyone. You think that everyone should have just made their own decision and should have reacted, but they believed what government was saying instead of what you thought was just the truth before their own eyes. Yeah. And so because they bought into what government was saying, they didn't react the way they should have used that as a springboard to go. Yeah. See government can't react. They can't do things in an intelligent way. And there's a better way. And then show them, explain to them what the better way is, but do it gently, you know, do it, do it with love, do it out of, out of kindness and not brutally and angrily. And well, when you can govern it, yourself, you get other people to do it for you. And do it off of social media. Go talk to your fucking neighbors. Go to the bar. Go to the barber shop. Go to the barbecue. Go where people are hanging out and just yeah. talk to them. You don't have to talk to them about anarchism. You don't have to talk to them about liberty. You don't have to talk to them about whatever else. Just talk to them. Get to know your neighbors. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation will shift towards what's going on because. That's literally the tunnel vision that people have. Oh, yeah. We've we've started because we have our neighbors on each side of us, mm-hmm. right? We know them really, really well on both sides. And we got lucky. We have really cool neighbors on both sides of us. But when I'll do when I'll have fires in my backyard, they'll come over. They'll just hop over the fence and set up chairs and come sit down and, and bring their dogs. And we'll all just hang out around the fire. And we'll, we've started in the past couple of times talking anarchy and they're starting to go, Hmm. Yeah. That's, and like, they're, they're both like really conservative and they're starting to listen now because I'm talking to them and we're having those conversations and man, there is so much to be said about how much intelligent conversation can happen around and deep conversation can happen around a fire. Like, it's a primal thing for humans, right? Not, like, we not, sit around a fire and we talk. Not only that, but when you, when you talk in person, there's context. When you talk online, there's no emotion. You can't see the person's yeah. face. Yeah. You, can't, you can't hear their passion, right? Yeah, you, 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 can't, can't, you can't sense sarcasm. You can't sense uh-huh. any of the nuance of it. So, yes. So, yeah, yeah uh, on, on that note, let's, let's finally cut this off. And, um, yeah, go talk to your neighbor. Um. <laughs> Yes, Andrew. Also, make sure that if you're going to buy beer products, <laughs> you buy them from thebeardstruggle.com and you use the code InkedAnarchist15, all run together as a discount code. You get 15% off because I sent you. So make sure you use that. Make sure that you check out uh, Inked Anarchist Hootenanny Roundup as well, my page mm-hmm. on Facebook, as long as it exists. So far, Zuckerberg hasn't killed us, but <laughs> we've managed to avoid the purges. The great purges of the Boog pages, because uh, we're a hoot nanny page. <laughs> so we've managed to evade it for the most part. Uh, so check us out. Yes, yeah. those those will be linked in the description below, as well as to Derica's book. And anybody who wants a patch, who I said I would send one out to, I'm sorry that it's taking me so long. I had to help prepare for a charity golf event. I promise I will send them out this week. It just 
I got really busy <laughs> with a charity golf event that yep. was just insane. So sorry, Ben. <laughs> Who's golfing I... with Johnny down at Mar-a-Lago? I wish. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This this has been episode one hundred, and um, we finally made it. Where we go from here, I don't know, but uh, hopefully at least a hundred more. So onwards and upwards. Yeah. All right. On this, uh, we'll catch you next time, I guess. Peace. Peace. Peace out.